Amen. You ready to get into the Word tonight? Uh, I'm excited. Tonight we're going to have the opportunity to wrap up some things we've been talking about. And I want to let you know what's going to happen tonight. We're going to be in the Word. We're going to talk about miracles. But I believe this, that the presence of God is here. And the power of God is present to heal. The power of God is present for whatever you need tonight. And so have a heart of expectancy. And as the word comes out, let it go deep down on the inside of you. Because it will make a difference for you. I want you to take out your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 8. We've been in in Luke chapter 8 for quite a while now, a little over a month. And I want to continue there in Luke 8, and our text tonight is verse 48. It says, And he, referring to Jesus, said to her, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Father, we thank you so much for the time that we have to be together tonight. We love you. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence in this place. I thank you for what you are doing here and around the world. Father, tonight we just lift up those that are in need of your help. And we thank you that you are right there strengthening them, building them, encouraging them, and working through them. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's do a little remembrance of what we've been talking about. But I want us to go back to the beginning of Luke chapter 8, just for a moment. And I want to highlight one verse in verse 4. And we'll pick up there. It says, And when a great crowd was gathered, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. Now, there's a lot in this one verse to unpack. And sometimes when we go through the Word of God, it's easy to get in and we just start reading and we try to read just to read. Or it's almost like, I've got to get so much done today or I haven't done what God's asked me to do. Sometimes you can just get on a verse and hover. Just stay there. Meditate on it. Let God speak to you out of one verse. Because think of it like this, if you got into that one verse and you meditated on that verse and you stayed there for an entire week, do you realize that by the time the week is over, you'd have that verse memorized? And in one year, you'd have 52 new verses in your repertoire of Scripture. Because I know a lot of people just read through the Bible. And I'm all about reading through the Bible. But then if you ask them a question, they have no clue what they read. So take time when you're in the Word of God to let it literally speak as you just meditate on what the Word is saying. He says, a sower went out to sow his seed. The sower went out to sow his seed. What we're asked to do, as we've already found out, is to be living testimonies. And God's not asking you to be somebody else's testimony or to give somebody else's testimony or to try and preach like somebody else. The sower sows his seed. What do you have? 
What's in your hand? What can you give? That's what's important in this parable here. Because as the sower sows, you will find that the enemy comes immediately to steal it. If we go down in Luke a little bit further after Jesus gives us an explanation, then he says this. What does this all mean? And verse 11, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. So everybody on the path has received the word of God. The word of God has come to them. But there's a difference between the word coming and the word being received. And too often today, we want to try and make people receive the word of God instead of just sowing the word of God and letting it come. So we've got to be people that are okay sowing the seed and moving on and not getting hung up just, I wonder if they got it. I wonder what they're going to do with it. I wonder this. Because you will get so hung up on that one point, you'll be paralyzed from sharing the gospel with anybody else. You're just locked into that one. And trust me, if the enemy can get you locked into one, to where you won't tell anybody else, he'll bring one along that even appears to be interested. So we just continue to sow what we have. If the enemy comes to steal that seed, there's nothing, hear me carefully, that you can do about that person's heart. Only they can make those choices. And if they make the choice to receive it, the Word of God will be planted deep within them, and they will go through seasons. They will go through times. Some will be shallow. It'll spring up immediately. Others will love the Word of God, but then other things in life, it just comes along and clouds it out. The cares, the riches and pleasures, other things that creep in there to, to choke out the Word of God in their life. But some are going to receive it and bear fruit. But be careful you cannot spend any more time specifically just because they're producing fruit than the ones that are on hard ground. Your job is to constantly sow. Their open heart is their open heart. That's great. And we rejoice over that. And we can rejoice with them. But we can get so caught up in rejoicing, we forget to sow. Sowing is an ongoing process. It's not something that we do just once. Now, Jesus has told them these principles. He's preached the parable of the sower. He's preached about putting your lamp and hiding it. He's preached about uh, several different things when we uh, relate this to synoptic gospels. But the one thing that stands out to me is when we read Mark, Mark says Jesus is relaying to his disciples and he says, if you don't understand this parable, you won't understand any of them. All of the parables, everything about the kingdom is based right here. Everything in the kingdom is about seed time and harvest. Everything is. So we can talk about seed time and harvest. We can talk about sowing. But understand that what we sow is constantly the word, whether it's over your life, your job, your church, your business, your finances. You're sowing the word constantly. 
but you can open up your heart to the power of God's word, let it go deep on the inside of you, and then you determine the outcome. Will it bear 30, 40, or 30, 60, 100 fold? What is it going to bring forth in my life? How much have I given myself to the word of God? Well, right after this happens, we looked at the storm. And Jesus said, where's your faith? You didn't catch it, guys. You didn't catch that immediately the devil comes. Where's your faith? He came to steal. He came to steal it from you. So everybody gets back on board. Jesus rebukes the wind, the waves. He goes back, takes a nap. That's my version because that's what I would have done. He goes back to sleep. They get over to the other side. And right after they've had this tremendous breakthrough, here come the demons. One man, 2,000 to 6,000 demons are present. Now that tells you a lot about the kingdom of darkness. They are desperate. They are absolutely desperate. God won't share you with anybody. The devil will crowd in anywhere he can get. God will clothe you with righteousness and put you in your right mind. The devil will strip you naked and leave you that way. Throughout the Word of God, we see these comparisons. There is no communion between light and darkness. There's no fellowship between Christ and Belial. Nothing. The, God will never team up with the devil to put something over on you. There's no fellowship there. He's under our feet. Any sickness, under my feet. Any disaster, under my feet. Any problem under my feet. Why? Because I'm seated in heavenly places. We sang about it. Out of Ephesians 2, I'm seated in heavenly places. I love that. I am who you say I am. You're not who I look at in the mirror. You are, I am who you say I am. That's how I'm going to operate. Well, Jesus sees the demoniac, he's set free. He goes throughout the Decapolis, the ten cities that are Gentile cities, preaching the gospel now. And what is the gospel to him? His testimony. Remember we learned that last week. He's just giving his testimony. He didn't go to Bible college. He doesn't have a degree. All he knows is what Jesus did for him. That's it. Man, I was, I was out of my mind. I'm living with pigs. I'm in the cemetery at night. I'm bound up. I'm naked. I'm dirty. And one touch from the master. And it changed. Just one touch. I want you to look at your life situation. You are nowhere near where that man was. None of you. And one touch from the master changed him. He didn't have a place to come and hear the word of God. He was in a region that didn't even believe that way. It was a, pantheist, a pantheistic society over there. One of the northernmost cities, Caesarea Philippi, where they actually had the temple to Pan, the gates of hell were right there. And yet this man said, I'm going to... I'm going to share my testimony. And he goes and preaches in the Decapolis. He goes to these ten cities. Now, why is that important? We're about to see. 
Let's pick up there in verse 40. It says, now when Jesus returned, where's he going? He's coming back from the region of the Gerasenes, back over the Sea of Galilee, back to where he'd come from. The crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. I want you to see this. He left the crowd for the one, and he left the one for the crowd. He only went where his father directed him to go. It wasn't based on how many people were waiting or not. What bigger opportunity he had or didn't have. He wanted to go where God sent him. And so he gets back, and there are a lot of people waiting. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue, and falling at Jesus' feet. Okay, let's just stop there again. Remember how we were looking at the parable of the sower? And we just, let's take time to meditate on this. What is it saying? You're always going to sow seed that falls you never know where. You're just sowing, you're sowing, you're sowing, you're sowing. But somehow, some way, Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, has heard about Jesus. And what does he do? The ruler of the synagogue, get that in your mind. The ruler of the synagogue, it says he fell at Jesus' feet. Rulers of the synagogue didn't bow down to anybody. This was the... This was a huge act of contrition. A ruler of the synagogue is in his moment kneeling before Jesus, falling on his face, acknowledging something that many of them had never thought of or wanted to acknowledge. Listen, at this point in time, Jesus is still a sideshow for many of them. They're just showing up to see if they might see a miracle. I want to see something. I want to see something. I want to see something. How do we know that? Because how many were still around him when he went to the cross? See, it's fun hanging out with Jesus when all the miracles and all the fun's happening and everything's great. But when he started his trek to the cross, where were the crowds? All of a sudden, their lives became more important. Nobody was clamoring to be by his side. Nobody wanted to be the next martyr. But this man, Jairus, knelt, fell on his face. And he implored him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. What do you think the storm is in his life right now? How many times do you think he got up on the Sabbath and opened up the scrolls and read them? Serious. Put him in the position of a pastor. How many times had he gotten up to minister week after week after week after week as the leader of the synagogue? And yet he was powerless 
to affect change in his own home. Just because you're familiar with the word does not mean that you know what to do with the word. This is a sword. Anybody who's ever become proficient in battle knows how to use their weapons. They're not just familiar with it. They know how to use it. And I know that in our day we have a desire around here to not just be familiar with the Word of God, but to know how to use it, what to speak at the right moment. And there's some things we're going to be eliminating from our vocabulary. When somebody speaks, we can be sympathetic with what they're going through, but we don't hop in the boat of sympathy. We begin to speak the Word of God, which brings peace, it brings comfort, we know that it's motivated through love, and love never fails. But just because we can be touched with their infirmities doesn't mean we should just wallow in them with them. You have strength on the inside of you. There's power on the inside of you. There's power in the Word on the inside of you. And Jairus... Recognize something in Jesus he did not possess. And he besought him, please, you come to my house. You come to my house. Now, what does the word say? She was dying. That's pretty much towards the end, isn't it? Some people are concerned, well, I don't know if I could do that. I haven't served God. I haven't lived for Him. I don't know if I could just come now. Oh, it doesn't matter when. Even, it's, even if it's at the end, Jesus is still there. He just wants us to humble ourselves before Him. Acknowledge Him as Lord. Acknowledge who He is. Not just be familiar with Him, but make Him Lord of our lives. I just don't know who you are. I'm in love with you. I'm sold out to you. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. There's such a peace and a comfort in knowing that when you're in the middle of God's will, that is the best place you could ever be in your life. Do you notice that Jesus doesn't say anything? Not a word. He just follows him. He just starts going to his house. Some of us are just waiting for a word, for something, for somebody to speak. God will do that if he so desires. But what if he says nothing? Can we still believe that He's with us when we go back to that situation? Can we believe that in the midst of our storm, even though He might be silent, He's still there? Because sometimes silence is deafening. 
And it's in those moments of silence that God speaks. It's in those moments of silence that even though we may not hear an audible voice or something else, we know that His presence is there. There's an assurance that He is with me. And whatever is needed, He's already gone before me. He's already stepped into the future by faith. He's appropriated. I'm going to do what I see Him do, and I'm going to bring His promise right back into my situation. Pastor Barb gave a wonderful illustration a week and a half ago with the trellis here. The natural in stepping through into the spirit and appropriating what God has said and bringing it back to where we are. That's faith. It says, and as Jesus went, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. Here's two people that are absolutely desperate. Jairus, whose daughter is dying, and a woman who is so sick, she spent everything she's had. And she's still sick. Desperate. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately, everybody say immediately. Immediately, immediately her discharge of blood ceased. Twelve years. Twelve years looking for an answer. Spending everything she had. And nothing. Twelve years. paint another picture for you. Her disease of the blood started when Jairus' daughter was born. Twelve years. One experiencing twelve years of life and now faced with death. One that had faced twelve years of death and now just received life. And the difference... Jesus. And Jesus said, who was that that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. Now, isn't that funny? Maybe it's just the way I look at that. Jesus said, who touched me? And everybody's going, not me. Not me. Not me. And can you imagine the disciples at this point in time? They're kind of looking around going, nobody wants to admit touching Jesus. And he goes, Master, look at the crowds. They're all touching you. What do you mean who's touching you? But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. Now that's some connection. That's some kind of connection. I felt it leave. I felt power. I felt it go. 
Nothing Jesus said. Nothing Jesus did. It was the woman's faith. But her faith touched the Word. And when her faith touched Him, power, power flowed out. Oh, power flowed out. When you touch the hem of the Word, power flows out. Jesus didn't have to say anything. Power flowed out because of their faith. Too often we're waiting for somebody's elf, somebody else's faith to pray over us. Or the Word of God to go into effect. Oh, I sure hope God shows up. Not this woman. She reached out and received a miracle. She reached out. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the midst, in the presence of all the people, why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. Where's Jesus heading? Jairus' house. But now this woman's giving her testimony. You know where this woman's from? Caesarea Philippi. She lived in the gates of hell. The same place where the demoniac had preached. And she says, I've got to meet that Jesus. All he had was a testimony. That's all she needed. And she came. She touched Jesus. And she got her own testimony. And now she's testifying. She came and said, everything that had happened, let me tell you where I was. Let me tell you how sick I was. Let me tell you. But I said. Another one of the gospels said this. For she said in her heart. If I could but touch the hem of his garment. I'll be made whole. She made a confession. And she followed through. On faith. If I can touch the hem of his garment. That's a future event. She said if I can touch that. I will be healed now. I will bring that future into my now and I will be whole. That's faith. If I can just touch him, if I can just reach out and grab a hold of Jesus, I'll be whole, I'll be well. Jesus said, daughter, your faith, your faith made you well. Not Jesus' faith. I'll tell you, there are times I've prayed with people 
I'll be honest, there was no faith at all. None. There were times I would be so sick, I didn't even want to preach that night. I'd go through, I'd, I'd be faithful with what God asked me to do. I'd pray with people. But I'll tell you what, I just wanted to go home. Yet, God was there. Laying hands on people and they're getting healed. The power of God's coming. Prophetic words start to flow. And there's something about being under the anointing that takes everything else and shoves it to the side. All of a sudden, you're not feeling sick. You're not feeling anything. You just want God's power. But you know it's not because of you. They came in faith. And they appropriated the promises of God. While Jesus was telling her, daughter, your faith made you whole. While he was still saying this, someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter's dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. What have the disciples just learned? Immediately, the enemy comes to steal the seed. A woman who'd been living a living death for 12 years is made whole and immediately don't bother the master, she's dead. You can bother him all you want. It won't make a difference. What do you think that's doing in her right now? What the enemy's trying to do? Steal a miracle that just occurred. Don't bother him. She's dead. But I like Jesus' response. Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear. Only believe. Don't fear. I need you to step into the future and see what will take place very shortly and make it your reality right now. You're going to claim it as title deed even though it's not revealed to your senses. Don't fear because fear will take you out here and tell you it's too late. She's dead. Nothing helps. It won't work. And you'll bring that back into your reality. Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. Everybody say, she will be well. What did Jesus say to the disciples? You will go to the other side. She will be well, the disciples right now have got to be thinking, I've heard this before, I've heard this, I know. We saw the storm, we saw everything arise. Faith is rising in them because faith cometh by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. And they keep hearing it over and over and over again. She will be well. Jesus has already declared it. There is no power in heaven, on earth, or under the earth that can stop anything that God has decreed. When you appropriate God's word, there is no power that can stop you from receiving everything that God has for you.
Mike, you've walked in this now for several decades, but you proved it in the last few months. When the enemy came to steal your life, and make no doubt about it, he was there to steal your life. One touch from the master. And it's not over yet. When he came to the house, verse 51, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and the mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her, but he said, do not weep. She's not dead. She's just sleeping. There will be all those that are sympathetic. And as soon as you make a declaration of God's word, all of a sudden they'll laugh you to scorn. Fine. But I'm getting my miracle. You can laugh all day long. You can say anything you want to say. You can want to mourn and do everything else that you think seems appropriate to you, but I am going to rejoice. I'm going to appropriate the Word of God. I'm going to take His promises, and they are mine. But He took the child by the hand and said, Child, arise. And her spirit returned. I want to read that again. Child, arise. And her spirit returned. It was gone. She was dead. I'm sorry, I had just a really bad movie quote in my head from A Knight's Tale. But Jesus, everybody say, but Jesus, but Jesus, but Jesus, but Jesus. He speaks the word. He speaks the word. He'd already said, don't fear, only believe, and she will be well. She, he gets with the child and says, get up. She gets up immediately. Her spirit returns and immediately she gets up and he directed that something should be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Isn't this strange? The crowds on this side are following him to see a miracle, and he tells them not to say everything. The one guy on the other side has a miracle, and he says, tell everybody. Why would Jesus do that? His popularity on one hand was immense. And he wasn't seeking any glory. On the other side, 
He just wanted them to know his father. Tell everybody. On this side, it wasn't his time yet because if they got wind of everything, they would have tried to hasten his death. On this side, the time is short. We've got to be out there telling everybody about this glorious Father that created the universe. Tell everybody. No matter what it is, the enemy comes immediately to steal the seed. Immediately. As soon as you start something for the Lord, I promise you, your immediately is coming. Don't say, ah, oh, I don't, I don't, I guess it wasn't God. I didn't hear God right. If I heard God, I wouldn't be facing this. Rubbish. That's for those of you in England. <laughs> Absolute trash. You do anything for God, you're going to face opposition. Let me put it another way. If you're facing zero Zero, zero confrontation. You're doing nothing, nothing, nothing for God. Ouch. I know, it's like, everybody, why are you saying it like that? Man, can't you just be nice? I got to get my last shot in while I can. I'm just teasing you. I want you to see how powerful you are. I want you to see how dynamic you are. I want you to see what's in you. So don't feel it strange when opposition comes. It's coming. It never said opposition will beat you. The storms won't overcome you. The devil won't overcome you. Natural circumstances in your body won't overcome you. Death won't overcome you. When Jesus stood at Caesarea Philippi, he declared, and the gates of hell will not prevail. You have to understand, guys, I'm going to be put to death. But the gates of hell will not prevail. They don't get the last word. No matter what it looks like in the natural, no matter what you're facing, they don't get the last word. This is the only word that's been settled in the heavens forever. This is the one that matters. This is the one that raises you up. This is the one that changes your circumstances. This is the one that sets you free. This is the one that gives you the power you need to go on. This is the one that will sustain you day to day. Amen? Let's stand up. Thank you, Jesus. I already told you, the power of God is present to heal. I've been praying for this time, knowing no matter what it is, the Word of God is bigger than whatever you're walking through. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're going through, the Word of God is bigger. You and I get to live in the greatest age the world has ever known. Through the ages of time, 
God saw this moment and called you to be here. So there's a time I have ordained for them. There's a time of meeting that I've placed on the calendar. And for some of you, that calendar tonight will be a change of the way you approach the Word of God. It'll be a change in the way that you deal with circumstances. It will be a change in the way you speak to the storms. It will be a change in the way that you see your spouse. It'll be a change in the way that you see some of the people you're hanging out with. It'll be a change. Don't wait for somebody to lay hands on you. And I'm all about laying hands on people. But if you're sick on Thursday, don't say, well, I'll go get prayed for on Sunday. You speak the word of God and come against that storm because Jesus' blood already dealt with it 2,000 years ago and the enemies come immediately to steal your health. You're not the sick trying to get healed. You are the healthy he's come to steal your health from. You're not the poor trying to get wealth. You were made wealthy at the cross and the enemy has blinded the minds of them that believe not lest we should see that glorious gospel. I believe the reason that these words are coming at this moment is because the time of trial is coming. It won't beat you. It won't overcome you. You've got to know that already. Already out here. It's coming. Don't be shocked when it does. Just rejoice. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. And be glad in it. Oh, but pastor, no, shh, 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 That's not the word. That's your experience, that's your trouble, that's your problem, that's your storm. Learn the vocabulary of silence and close your lips until only what comes out is the word of God. For some of us, we're going to have a very limited vocabulary for a while. Next week, I'm going to bring everybody up here, put your thumb on the platform, I'm going to take a hammer and hit you and see what comes out of you. <laughs> I'm just teasing, I'm just teasing. It's not going to happen. Next week's prayer. Because Pastor Barb knows I'm going to hit all of you with a hammer on the thumb. No, I'm... <laughs> but you find out what's in you real fast when something hits you. What flies out of your mouth in your greatest times of trial? What comes out when you're under stress? What comes out makes you want to give up? What are the words that are flying out of you? Words have meaning, not just in this planet, not on just in this atmosphere, but in the heavenlies. Your words speak volumes. And you begin to speak the word of God. And you release those words into the atmosphere and the angels of heaven that are that are 
ministering spirit sent forth the minister for you, they immediately go into action because they go, that's, that's the word of the Lord. That's God. I just heard God's command. I just heard what needs to happen in this moment. I'm carrying that out for them in this realm, and it's manifesting here because the blood was already shed. You step into this realm out here by faith, and you go, ha, ah. Let me take you all the way out here. Someday we're going to be with the Lord forever. Going to be in His presence forever. Some of us have loved ones that are already there. Some of us have loved ones that are on their way. But here, there's no sorrow. Here, there's no lack. Here, there's no weeping. Here, there's only joy. Here, there's only worshiping. Here, there's absolute glory in His presence. Can you see why Jesus said, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Father, thank you for this time we've had together tonight to be in your presence. I thank you for your word that all we need is one word. All we need is to walk with you. And even in the silence, you're still speaking volumes. May we tune in and listen intently. May we open our Bibles and read. May we just get into your presence. I want you all to look at me for a moment because I just heard this in my spirit. There are those who say, how do I know if it's the voice of God or the voice of another? How do I know if it's really God? The more familiar you are with this, the more sure you will be when you hear that voice. Oh yeah, that lines up to this. Oh yeah, that sounds like him. Thank you for talking to me again. Yeah, thank you for talking to me again. If you're in a place where you don't know whether it was God telling you to do something or not, come back here. Come back here. Now, very quickly, if you need a touch in your body from God, get up here right now. God's power is present to heal. I'm not going to belabor this. I'm not going to ask twice. Just come right now. Like the woman with the issue of blood. We come by faith like Jairus who humbled himself before the Lord. We come. It's not anything other than touching Jesus right now.
Our point of contact tonight, our point of faith is very simple. You reach out to Him. I will pray, and I'm simply going to lay my fingers on your forehead as a point of contact in faith. The name of Jesus, be healed. In Jesus' name, 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 be healed. 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 In Jesus' name, be healed. Jesus' name, be healed. Jesus' name, be healed. I want you all to look at me for a moment. Make no mistake about it. God's power is present. You are healed. Now, the reason I did this the way that I did it tonight is because many times we're waiting for some big show, something phenomenal to happen. But if we believe that that dictates whether God showed up or not, we won't pray by ourselves because we'll be looking for some huge thing to happen. That's not Him. I, I mean, God, God does wonderful things. He does huge things. Please don't misunderstand me. But what I'm saying is it's not a measure of whether He's there or not. He's with you. He's present. His word is just as powerful in your mouth as in my mouth. So when you're not feeling well, you speak the word over you. You command your body to be well. You tell yourself to be healed in Jesus' name. Mark 16 says, these signs will follow after them that believe. In my name, they will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They will, if they drink any deadly thing, it won't harm them. They'll lay hands on the sick and they should be recovering. They shall recover. Boom, boom, boom. Boom. It's you touching the hem of his garment. Amen? God bless you. So much power wrapped up in you. You're so valuable to the king. God loves you so much. Never forget your worth and your value. child of the Most High, every one of you. Children of the Most High, every one of you. God bless you. Have a wonderful night. Be back Sunday. Bring somebody with you to be in the house of God. And let's continue believing God for everything that He's laid on pastor's heart to take place in this year. Amen? Amen. Bless you all.